touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And you are rejoining us in the middle of our discussion of the top 10 tech companies to work for in 2013, according to Business Insider. Yes, uh, this was an article that Business Insider published in the summer of 2013, based on a bunch of reviews from both 2013 and the tail end of 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, it was written by uh, one Megan Rose Dickey, and um, using statistics from Glassdoor.com. Yep, which was that job search site we talked about earlier. It lets uh, employees leave comments about the company they work for so that prospective employees can get an idea of what it's like to be there before they send in an application. Uh, right. The ranks are on a one to five, with one being the lowest and five being the highest. And there was pretty stiff competition this year. The lowest ranked in our top 10 orbits uh, was a 4.1. On that scale, so right. and the uh, the highest rank on our on our top uh, on on that first one was a four point three. So the four point one to four point three range that shows you that I mean, we're talking Intense. serious competition. Yeah. So uh, the company that comes in at number five is one that uh, it's a fairly obscure little company that maybe one or two of you have heard about. Yeah, I mean, we had to do a lot of research on some of these because we just had never even heard the the name before. The hardest part about doing research on this one is it just kept making me go to the one's thing. We're talking about Google. Yeah. Yeah. So every time I wanted to research Google, I just got a search engine about Google. It's just, I don't know, man. It's like recursive or something. No, obviously Google, uh, we all are familiar with it. But it's interesting because it's one of the few major, huge, enormous companies that consumers are aware of that made this top 10 list. Yeah. Um, there, there's a, It's not the only one, but... You know, a lot of the other ones we've talked about are these enterprise-based companies that are, you know, their customers are other companies. Right. Uh, and Google technically is as well, but it's also uh, obviously a search engine company. It's also a an ad company. That's where they get their I'm revenue. Saying, yeah, more more an ad company than a search engine company. Yeah. They they do have a lot of products. I mean, obviously they do uh, uh, YouTube and email. And- yep, they've got uh, and and then they've got some interests that are outside of you know the web as well. Like all those weird Google X projects. The that- the Loon. Project mm-hmm. that we talked about recently, automated cars. Uh, they've got their Google X stuff that's uh, also designed to be philanthropic. Um, you know, and obviously uh, the smartphones and things of that nature. A lot of the stuff they have. Yeah. Chromebook, yeah. Chromecast. Um, I own most of these things. Uh, Google Glass got one of those. Um, don't have an automated car yet. They they don't seem to be willing to let me have one. They haven't called you about that yet. No, I would love it's it. Very though. strange. I'm sure. I'm sure your call got lost in the mail. Yeah. No. I'm. I'm. I, I keep on. Hey. Hey, Sergey. Give me a call. So um, <laughs> that would be Sergey uh, Sergey Brin, who was the co-founder of the company in 1998, along with Larry Page. Yep, yep. The company's headquarters is in Mountain View, California. Now you may remember that, of course, Page and Brin they went to college together, and at first, uh, kind of had a little bit of a contentious relationship. Kind of thought that each one thought the other one was a jerk face. I mean, I'm putting words into their mouths. I'm just reading between the lines based upon all the information I've ever read about the biographies. But eventually they began to work together and uh, thus was Google born. And, um, yeah, you know, it, it's a uh, it's seen some success. 
A little bit. Um, after its IPO in 2004, um, what's the stock price as of this podcast? Well, we're, we're recording on December 5th, 2013, yeah. by the way. And so in the middle of the day on December 5th, 2013, I looked at the stock price and it was at $1,055.98 per share. Not bad. Not bad. No, not when you were looking at like a, a share price that started in the $70 range and now is over $1,000 per share. I mean, it's, it's, they're doing okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, part, part of the reason they're doing so okay is so, so the company rating, according to Glassdoor, is 4.3 on that five point scale. And their CEO approval rating of Larry Page is 95%. Yeah. And Page, again, being a co-founder, remember before Page, uh, the CEO was, uh, Eric Schmidt, who had, so there was some controversy about some of the things he did and his, he was very much business oriented. And Page and Brenner considered more engineering oriented. In fact, there was a lot of um, questions about whether or not Page would be able to handle the role of CEO uh, effectively. Not that he didn't care about the company, but rather that did he have the skill set necessary? Uh, clearly, the company is doing very well. Yes. Uh, so I don't think we have to shed any tears. Huh. But uh, why why did the company rate so high on this list? What is it that the employees like about Google? Oh, well... Like we talked about uh, with the SAS Institute in our first part of this episode mm-hmm. of this two-parter, yep. um, Google is is probably the industry leader in that workspace as life space kind of concept. Yeah, the Googleplex, their headquarters in Mountain View, is famous for some of the the amenities that are on campus. They they make it really difficult to not make Google working for Google your life. Yeah, and and I think I think that that's very much. I mean, you know, it's 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 a little bit further out. It's in a suburb. A lot of people are commuting out there, yes. so they eat all their meals on campus because they are free. Yep. Um. And and you know all kinds of work and play space and and life space exist yep. there. Yeah. It's it, you know it, it benefits Google because it keeps people at the uh, the headquarters more frequently, which means they're doing more work. It benefits the employees who are getting some amazing experience and they're working with some of the most intelligent people in that field on uh, a variety of projects. And if you are, you know, taking advantage of the 20 percent time, one day out of the week, you're working on something super awesome that may or may not ever see the light of day, but it's definitely hmm. going to stretch you as an employee. Absolutely. Um, But, you know, in kind of in exchange for that, you have to work really hard. I oh, mean, yeah. It's one of those those. If you like it, keep up kind of things. Right. Yeah. It's one of those, uh, you know, it reminds me of a way in a way of a, a, a college here in Atlanta, Georgia Tech. Um, I have a lot of friends who went to Georgia Tech. Despite the fact that they went to Georgia Tech, they remain my friends. I, of course, am a graduate of the University of Georgia and uh, Bulldogs hate the jackets. But uh, apart from that, the the phrase I always hear is that it's it's not that hard to get in, but it's really hard to stay in because, yeah. you you know, you have to have a certain level to get in. And they assume that if you meet that level, that you are able to do everything that is required of you. And if you're not, then that's a problem. So it's another one of those great power, great responsibility issues. Um, and, you know, if you're able to, to keep up with it, then you could have a really good uh, career there, according to most employees. Yeah. Um, and and employees are, are liking it more even than they did last year. They they were only 4.0% last year and Page is up 3% in approval. Yeah. 4.0 points. Oh, not uh, four, right. Sorry. Excellent. Thank <laughs> that, you. That would have been a, a, a meteoric rise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they scored 4.0 and now they're up to 4.3. Um, in other news, uh, recent news in September 2013, Google 
launched a spinoff company called Calico that's going to focus on health and well-being, specifically on uh, on on topics that relate to disease and ageism, like aging, the actual like finding ways to help uh, people deal with that. And who knows, with Google, maybe reverse it. Who you never know, right? Like maybe people who have Android phones just live longer. I'm you know, <laughs> I wouldn't ha iPhone people. I wouldn't put it past him, and also <laughs> I'm watching you, Strickland. Okay. Um, uh, and and yeah, and the company also has plans for a new office in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Office, uh, I, aka Monolith. It's supposed to be one million square feet in size, which is what? about ninety three thousand square meters, according to what I read. It will be one of the, if not the largest. Uh, uh, workspace acquisition of a company in the city of London. I don't know if you know this, Lauren, but real estate in London's a little dear. Yeah. It's a little um, expensive. However, if anyone can afford to do that kind of thing, it's Google. Yeah, no. Google definitely has the, the cash. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that's one that we're all familiar with. Mm-hmm. The next one on the list is one that I'm sure some of our listeners are familiar with, even though uh, and I, I'm familiar with their product. I did not know that they were the company that made it, though. Uh, yeah, and it's very much smaller. It only has about a thousand employees worldwide. We are talking about Riot Games. Yeah, and they came up with a specific computer game called League of Legends, which I have played. I have it on my computer at home. It I, is, I have not actually, but um, but it's a it's a multiplayer um battle arena. Yeah, multiplayer online battle arena game, also known as a MOBA. I was MOBA. I was glad to finally see that spelled out because I've heard people say MOBA, and I didn't know what they meant. Like I, I knowledge I, is power. I listen to other podcasts, and they're like, "Oh, it's a great MOBA," and I'm like, "I don't know what, what that is." is. That thing? And find and I always would forget to search for it by the time I would you know get to some place where I was able to search. So multiplayer online battle arena game. There are a lot of different versions of this, but League of Legends is a big one. In fact, it's probably the most popular video game in the world. Supposedly has around 32 million players logging in every month, making it the most popular one. So and not, um, not shabby for something that was released in 2009. Yeah, yeah. This is a, something that went into development in 2006, was released in 2009. Really, a lot. I was not aware of this game until maybe late last year, early this year. So uh, I, I was amazed that it had been around that long. It just was one of those things that was gaining traction. Uh, they It is a free-to-play game. So the way they generate revenue is through... Microtransactions. Yep. And um, apparently they do it in such a way where people don't feel like Nickel that's a bad dime. thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a really tricky thing to have the microtransaction model work for you where gamers don't feel like they are being taken advantage of. Right. It's a delicate oh, road absolutely. to drive. But yeah. apparently they do it pretty well. Uh, I know that their fans are rabid fans, you know, like there, oh, yeah. there are entire channels online that are dedicated to showing League of Legends uh, games where Players who are highly ranked, like people who are are just known for being some of the best players in the game, go up against each other. In fact, they're even professional League of Legends players. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, before we get into that, though, let's talk a little bit about uh, you know how the company's viewed. Uh, well, okay, so so the company calls calls itself a meritocracy that fosters teams um, that prefers action (parentheses kicking ass) over process and bureaucracy parentheses taking names. I mean, it's it's a company of gamers. Everyone yeah. who works their games, they are given 300 bucks to spend on games to increase their gaming skills and, and learn what else is going on in the industry. Um, they have, you know, giant show and tell presentations with beer 
And, yeah. uh, so and, are they showing the beer and talking about it or, or it's show and tell presentation and beer is also provided? Yes. Oh, gotcha. Comma right. with beer. Okay. Got it. Um, and, uh, I mean, and, and all of the kind of goofy perks, the, the snacks, they've got like weekly masseuse visits. Um, yeah, like company sponsored hackathons. I love that they have hackathons where it's just like, all right, guys, you know, I know you've got, got crazy programming skills. We're just going to do a, a marathon session of hacking and see what people can come up with within a given amount of time. That's always we should, we interesting. Should, if, if you and Chris never did an episode on that, we should totally do one. About hackathons? Yeah. yeah. There's also, there's one we could talk about with Sid Meier that was pretty cool. Yeah. I remember watching that video. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, neat. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like a really loud, really crowded kind of culture that places a huge amount of emphasis on playfulness and extremely hard work. Yeah. At uh, the same time. So their, their company rating on this particular survey ends up being 4.4. 4.4, yeah. And, uh, their CEO approval rating of Mr. Brandon Beck is 100%. Yep. Mr. Beck, he's one of the co-founders of the company. Uh, now what's interesting to me is this is a company that has only one game so far. League of Legends is the only game that they have produced since they started. However, it is obviously and it's constantly evolving. Yes. So. And it's and it's obviously hugely successful. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they've been resting on their laurels ever since they launched it in 2009. But it's uh, it's interesting to me because I, I wonder when we'll see or if we'll see another game come out. It could be that they nurture this one. Supposedly and, they've got one in development. But. OK, uh, they have what on their website, what they call the Riot Manifesto, which sounds Terrifying, but actually, it's <laughs> actually a pretty uplifting kind of list of of, uh, of things that they hold important, which are, includes player experience first. So, in other words, everything they do needs to be done with the player experience in mind. Uh, they want to challenge convention. So, just because something has always been done a certain way doesn't mean that that's the best way to do it. They want to focus on talent and teams. They want to take play seriously, which I love. This yeah. is kind of like oxymoron type mm-hmm. thing. And stay hungry, stay humble. Like, yeah, we've got the most popular game in the world, but you can't but just keep it together. Yeah, you can't just sit there and, you know, strut around and say that because that's not necessarily always going to be the case. And you got to make sure that you are always working, you know, to get that next level or else yeah, people yeah. will forget about you. Their, their standards are so high that uh, supposedly there's a really high employee turnover. Yeah. That, you know, just, just some people aren't cut out for it and don't don't make it through. Yeah. And uh, recent news has a little bit of controversy in that. Uh, so we talked about how there's some professional League of Legends players. Uh, Riot actually employs some professional gamers and they are in the League Championship League which, you know, seems like the evil league of evil to me. But the League Championship League has uh, people who are under salary with Riot, who are professional gamers. But part of their contracts, that um, something that got released, you know, kind of leaked to the public recently, says that they are not supposed to stream any other games, specifically games that are direct competitors to League of Legends, but also wow. some that are a little... More like uh, like Fat Princess things that are not direct um, competitors, yeah, competitors. But they said that no, if you if you're working for us, if you're making money playing video games for us, and part of that is because you're streaming this content so that people can watch it, you are not allowed. You you are not allowed to be seen in public drinking Coke. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's same same sort of approach. And so there's been some backlash from the gaming community to this. Uh, I've seen points on both sides of this debate. And obviously, you know, you're talking about contract negotiations. That doesn't, you know, mean that that's always going to be the case. It could be that that players are able to negotiate that 
to mean less than what it says right now. So no, that, that's really interesting, though. I'd never heard of any I I'd never honestly thought about professional gaming contracts. And although I know that that talent in many other areas has similar restrictions yeah. placed upon them. Yeah. Yeah. The non-compete clauses where mm-hmm. you can't just go to someone else and work for them while you're still under contract with a, yeah, another company. Old like classic movie movie studio kind of concept. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that's it's it's pretty common across lots of different industries, not just with talent, but with other areas as well. All right. So let's move on to number three. Yes. Uh, this is Riverbed Technology. This was another one I had to look up. Yeah. Um, they do uh, lots of networking applications and traffic optimization. Yeah. For wide area networks. Right. So, right. Most of their work is in wide area. Yeah. So this is stuff like it's not necessarily Internet based, although it can be but can be intranet based. So if you if you're part of a, a huge company that has its own intranet where you are able to connect with all the different parts of your company that and that's, you know, it might be that there are portals out to the Internet as well. Uh, you need to be able to manage that intranet traffic. And depending upon your IT department, that may or may not be easy to do. So this is a company that ends up optimizing that sort of stuff. They have some products that you can use. Uh, some of them are physical products that you can hook up to a router that will help uh, manage traffic so that you don't have huge bottlenecks so that, you know, when when finance is sending out a, a, a big data request, it doesn't affect HR or some other department or sales or whatever so that you can end up having your entire business operate smoothly without anyone like upsetting the Apple cart. That's generally what they do. They shipped their first product in 2004. They were founded in 2002 in San Francisco. First product they shipped in 2004. So two years for them to actually develop a product that they could ship. Mm -hmm. And then they had their IPO in 2006. Yep. So this is another publicly traded company. Uh, And, uh, you know, lots of different products here, including things like machine virtualization. Longtime listeners of Tech Stuff know what that is. That's the idea that you can create virtual machines on a physical machine. And by doing that, you can end up reducing the number of actual physical machines you need. Um, you know, it, it all depends on what kind of hardware you have, like if it's if it's uh, sufficient to be able to do all the work you as you're dividing it up more and more and more. And obviously you get, you know, diminishing returns if you keep going. But it does mean that you can actually reduce the number of servers you need if uh, if you do it the right way. So this company helps other companies do that. Also, like application acceleration, so that if you are designing apps, uh, this company will help optimize them so that they will uh, operate more quickly and smoothly. So you're not waiting 45 minutes for something to happen. That you know. So these are, you know, if you if you're describing it to someone who is strictly a consumer, they may seem kind of dull and mundane, but they're incredibly important. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and some some of the bigger name competitors in this industry are, are stuff like uh, Citrix or uh, Cisco. Yeah, yeah. These are big companies that do the same sort of thing. So what is it about Riverbed that makes it different? Well, uh, well OK, so I mean, so it's got a company rating of 4.4, 4, mm-hmm. which is pretty impressive. And, and a CEO approval rating of, of Mr. Uh, Jerry M. Kennelly of 98 percent. Kennelly being one of the co-founders of the company. Yep. Um, and I mean, I, I don't know, like like what I was reading from employees is that it sounds slightly traditional. People were talking a lot about a uh, good work life balance and, and having the independence to to really do their their work. Yeah. To- they said that it, it kind of straddles that line. Right. It still feels like it's nimble from a startup kind of perspective, but it also has some more traditional elements to it, too. Um, also, it, they they. 
the rigid management structure can go either way, right? You can either have that be a benefit because it means that perhaps the company has a very clear vision and is and, able to act upon it. And can go and do what they want to do and what they need to do. Right. Sure. But it also can sometimes mean that it, it restricts your options as an employee. Yeah, that sometimes upward mobility is going to be difficult. Right. So for recent news, Riverbed Technology announced that it would implement a shareholder rights plan, which is also known as a poison pill. I had heard this term several times before and really wasn't entirely clear on what it meant. So I actually did some digging so I could learn because, I mean, finance world is something that frightens and confuses me and <laughs> makes me go back into my corner of safety zone. Absolutely. So uh, so a poison pill is interesting. So the idea is that if you have an entity coming into your company and buying up shares and you figure out that maybe this entity is trying to do a hostile takeover where right. they're trying to buy up enough shares to have controlling uh, voting power to vote their own uh, applicant up to the board of directors and thus start to make changes to the company. Mm-hmm. This right? is this is like an economic cyanide pill. Yeah, you know? it's well, it's kind of, you know, it's it, they call it a poison pill because it's supposed to be like the spies have in their, you know, right. you flip your tooth up and you've got the old cyanide pill and you bite down on it and you, and you croak. But it's not really killing off the company. Instead, what it's meant to do is dilute the stock because what, what a company will do is they'll say, if any entity buys up a certain percentage of our stock, and usually it's somewhere between 10 and 20 percent, then that will trigger this plan where other shareholders who have less than 10 percent of the stock will be able to buy additional shares at a incredibly reduced cost. Uh-huh. So in other words, it ends up diluting the ability of a company to buy up enough to, to be able to really mess with things. And uh, because that company, the one that bought 10 to 20 percent, is not eligible for this reduced rate. So and have, so all of a sudden you've got all these people who uh, can just kind of buy buy the shares out from under them. Right, yeah. So they end up buying more shares and it ends up making it less likely that one, any single entity will be able to, to uh, get a kind of controlling interest. Now, this is a practice that rose to prominence in the 1980s. Uh, you know, people who watch Wall Street are like, oh, I totally get this. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know... It, both Wall Street, the entity, and Wall Street, the film. Uh, Green is good. Gordon Gecko. Anyway, so uh, anyone who is familiar with that already knows all this stuff. But I th- found it really interesting. It's also something that's considered to be fairly controversial. There are some parts of the world where... That is this, not okay. Yeah, this is totally not something you are allowed to do. Kind of underhanded and, yeah. and or illegal. Um, and it was it was responsive to a particular news item, wasn't it? Yeah, there's, a, uh, there's an investment group. Um, the the uh, the Elliott Associates company that purchased nine percent of the stocks and actually had made the comment saying that the reason why they had made that purchase was they felt that the stocks were undervalued and soon would reflect the true value of the company. And that actually gave a boost to the stock price. Uh, the market responded by saying, you know, maybe this company is undervalued considering the number of loyal customers Riverbed has. Perhaps the stock price should reflect that better. And the number of loyal employees. Yeah. So, yeah. So the number, so that stock price started to creep up, but the, on the flip side of it, the board of directors was like, well, that's awesome. We do want to see our company value increase, but at the same time, I'm a little nervous about this, this one entity buying up 9% of our shares. So that, I, it looks like that may have been the, um, the impetus to go in and say, let's uh, go ahead and uh, propose this, this, uh, this plan, this, um, this shareholder rights plan. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that turns out because this is still an ongoing story right now. Well, we still have some uh, couple companies to talk about, numbers one and two, if I'm not mistaken. But, but before we do that, let's uh, how about we take a quick break and thank our sponsor. 
All right. We're down to the final two. So number two, this is, you know, again, a company that when I saw it, I was like, that, what is, huh? What do they do? This is Guidewire. Yeah. It's a computer software and hardware company founded in 2001, started in Foster City, California, and uh, they have very specific customers. Uh, yeah. It's mostly insurance carriers, specifically property and casualty insurance. Yeah. So uh, again, here's another company that, that the average consumer would have no knowledge of because they, they are dealing with companies that you deal with. So your insurance carrier might be a customer of Guidewire. And Guidewire creates these uh, software systems that allow insurance carriers to manage their products and also their customers. It includes everything that insurance companies do. Yeah, the, uh, the underwriting, the policy administration, billing, um, claims, claims resources. Yep. Yeah. All of this stuff is, you know, obviously the the meat and potatoes of what insurance companies have to do in order to do business. And so uh the they're the way they they position themselves is they said, look, we are a software company that knows how to make software inside and out. And we are also incredibly knowledgeable with yeah. the insurance industry in particular. Right. And this happens across many different sectors of software. You know, people will specify in systems management for one particular type of company just because it's it's I mean, A, it's easier to get recommendations, um, and, word of mouth, and, and B, it's easier to design a product if everyone is working towards the same goals. Exactly. Right. And if you make a one-size-fits-all management software thing, it's it's going to be the least of all worlds, right? Because you want to try and cast as wide a net as you possibly can to try and take care of all the potential issues that a company might need, but it waters down the effectiveness of that product for specific cases. Whereas if you are catering to a very specific industry, then you can really focus mm-hmm. and provide stuff that only matters to it's them. very sharp. Yeah. yeah so mm-hmm. that's kind of where they came from. And, uh, you know, they, like I said, they were founded in 2001 and they held their IPO in 2012 and now are publicly traded. And uh, as much as we had never heard of them, they rank on a lot of lists uh, as, as one of the top best places to work. It was actually number one on this business insider list on in both 2011 and 2012. Yeah, so they've slipped. <laughs> yeah, slipped down from one to two. Um, yeah, their company rating is currently 4.6 and their CEO approval of Mr. Marcus Ryu is 100 percent. What's interesting to me is that last year they had a rating of 4.4. So their rating actually went up. And yet they slipped down in yeah. the rankings, mm, teasing what number one might possibly be. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting that the the quality of working at these places has increased over the past year to the point where uh, even when number one gets even better than it was the year before, it's, it's still, still now number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's interesting what employees said about working at this place that they again, they felt that. They their work was actually valued and that their input was taken into account that they were no matter what level you're at. Yeah, which is fantastic. I Mm -hmm. mean, you know, anyone who's ever worked for a company where you feel like what you do doesn't really seem to matter to the overall company. Job satisfaction just plummets. Oh, sure. So Um, that's always a good thing. And yeah, you know, just just talking about about engineers getting to work alongside upper management on projects. Yeah, that's obviously, you know, if you're if it's you're not distancing the upper management from everyone else. It's not like they they inhabit uh, a floor that no 
ordinary employees ever allowed to go to. Uh, that's also really cool. <laughs> no shadowy figures behind curtains. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, h- however, all of that does come with with the caveat that, again, um, work life balance can be a little bit of an issue working here. Right. And they, there were some employees who said that the 401k program's not all it could be and that the benefits aren't necessarily uh, in line with what some other companies offer. So, you know, again, it's one of those things where some aspects of the job might be amazing and others you might find a little lacking. Mm, depends on what you're looking for in your in place your of employment. employment. Yep. Uh, so as far as news goes, the company had a net loss per share uh, in the most recent quarter. However, that loss was smaller than what analysts thought it was going to be. So? So that's good news. I'm like, like they, analysts predicted that there was going to be a loss, but it ended up not being as drastic as they thought it was going to be. In fact, it was, you know, Minor in comparison. And so the the bright side of that is that perhaps this is just a show that the things are going to turn around and be uh, more optimistic in the future. So um, that takes us to our number one company, which is one that uh, I think most of our listening audience is really familiar with. Probably, probably on a daily, if not hourly, if not minutely basis. Yes, we are talking about Facebook. Now, this actually surprised me to see Facebook as the number one yeah. company. You know? Yeah, company rating of 4.7 and uh, CEO approval of, of Mark Zuckerberg at 98 percent. Uh, very surprising. I guess uh, I guess that that. That biopic film <laughs> didn't really uh, hurt him so much, huh? Uh, yeah, he, he's up nine percent in approval from last year, and um, and the company as a whole is up from four point three. Right, so that's that's a big jump. Four point three to four point seven is huge. So obviously, I mean, you're familiar with this company. It was founded in two thousand four by Mark Zuckerberg, uh, somewhat controversially, depending upon who you talk to. And it's headquartered in Menlo Park, California, uh, also had a controversial initial public offering in 2012. Yeah. Uh, there was a little bit of a kerfuffle there where uh, there was a, a allegations that Facebook had let some players know uh, that they were not going to uh, perform up to the projections they had made. And that would affect the stock price. But other people, as in me and you, weren't alerted to this fact. And so when we went in good faith to purchase stock price at a certain amount, we did so not knowing that the company wasn't really worth what we thought it was worth. That was the allegation. Um, messy, messy thing. Yeah, but that's all still kind of. Yeah, the, the, the stock price hasn't exactly blown all the other companies out of the water. It's performed fairly well. I mean, it's not like it's it's not like it's plummeted down to. Tiny levels. I, last I looked, I think it was in the forty dollar range, which it's a, it's up from from its initial dive. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's even up from what it was initially offered at, but not mm-hmm. like not like an astronomical. Not a, it's not, not a much. Google. It's not yeah. a Google. No, no. Um, but uh, yeah, so they um they you know obviously social network that everyone's familiar with. They've got like the the whole uh, uh, revenue generation model of having advertising as mm-hmm. well as promoted. Things we'll talk about some of the promotion stuff in a second because that that's an interesting story that's that's breaking right now. Right, um, and and people say that working there. I mean, I mean, I think that everyone has heard stories about working at Facebook where yeah. you know it's just so much energy, which right. can either be really good or really bad. Yep, yeah, it can either be uh, incredibly energizing, like energy as in the way of woohoo, let's all get to work on this, or it could be exhausting. <laughs> Right, right. For the right people at the right time, it, it's excellent. Um, my, my favorite employee quote from from the company is, uh, I never knew a company could move so fast and get so much done while still being 
kind of out of control. Yeah. So that that to me says that Facebook, even though it's reached this huge size, and I mean, we're talking billions of dollars in revenue every year. Uh, it's a it's an enormous thing. They have more than a billion users. So that, when you have more than a billion users, that's it, it's it's unfathomable to me. But it's still operating at at some levels anyway, like a little internet startup, which is kind of uh, it's it's you wonder how long a company can do that because uh, in some ways it needs to be able to do that because the internet is so change you know it's so chaotic it changes so quickly right so you have to be able to adapt to that but at the same time when you get that big it's hard to have a company operate that way and maintain any semblance of sanity. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's a challenge. I'm not sure if that's if sanity is ever what they've been going for. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure if I said, "Would you like your work to be sane?" I'd get a lot of Facebook employees hitting the like button. Uh, but yeah, it's um, uh, you know, it's also a, supposed to be a really supportive environment. Uh, they talk a lot about innovation and that that's much more important than doing things the way it's always been done. Mm-hmm. And uh, that they say that work is challenging and engaging. So it's not, you know, it's not just that it's fun to do, but it's challenging to do. And I think for a lot of people, that is really important. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a part of um, what they call flow. And yeah, it's pretty. Yep. Yeah. A Crit- critical part of, of anything that you are engaging yourself in. Yep. And so uh, some news from recent months. Facebook recently suffered a security breach with more than 2 million accounts compromised. They were not the only entity to have that happen. Google also was victim to uh, that. And uh, it, we're still seeing people become aware of that. Uh, usually, if you, if you received a message that said you need to change your password, then you may have been affected by this. Uh, so far, I haven't. The lesson to take from this is don't use the same password across, across multiple. Yeah, yeah, Use a different one. I know it's a pain, but if you get a password management application that you know for a fact is a good one, uh, use that. I highly recommend you check those out. There are a lot of them out there. Uh, I use one myself. The one I use, just so you know, and, and you know, it's just just one of many. But I like it as Dashlane. Mm-hmm. But use something like that so that you can prevent this from happening to you, or at least if it does happen to you, it only happens to one account as opposed to everything to you log into. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, they've also there's also been in the news a little bit of controversy about their system for if if, if you don't have a page like a brand page on mm. Facebook, then then you're probably less aware of of what percentage of your followers are reading your posts than, right. than otherwise. So, but this is a big deal to people who have pages and like a, tech stuff. And, and a common criticism of Facebook is that they um they artificially reduce the number of readers who see your posts in right. order to encourage you to to buy ad space or to to, to, to promote, promote to promote a, an entry. So for example, uh, over at Tech Stuff we have several a, f- a few thousand people who like our page. Mm-hmm. And we might post something that might reach one fifth of all the people who have liked it. And that's a really good day. Yeah. So you're talking about like just twenty percent of everyone who likes your page has a chance of seeing it. It's going to show up on their newsfeed. Otherwise, it just for everyone else, for the other 80 percent, it doesn't show up at all. And that's and that's how it's always been. And it's, it can be frustrating. Um, and and it, Facebook announced that um, that that organic reach was going to become even more limited. Yeah. And from Facebook's standpoint, I mean, I understand what they're saying. They say they want their users to have. Well, I understand what they're saying from two aspects, right? What they say is they want their users to have a a satisfying experience where they're not constantly bombarded by stuff. Right. However, keep in mind 
This is stuff that Facebook users have gone out to like, meaning that they had an interest in it in the first place. So they can also unlike things if they were being bombarded and felt that it wasn't, you know, a good experience. So I don't know how, like, that seems a little disingenuous to me. Now, granted, I'm biased. I have, I oh, have, yeah. I have, I have huge cards on this table. In this, yeah. and, and this is a thing that, um, that the new social media, How Stuff Works lady Sherry and I have, have had kind of private freakout sessions about. Yeah. So, so but, you know, what Facebook says is like, we want our users to have a good experience. But if you want to have more of a reach, you can pay and you will have more of a reach. I'm like, well, how much of a good user experience do you want if you're also trying to cash in on people who want to, quote unquote, ruin that good experience by <laughs> by inundating everyone with their content? Um, so, yeah, I, I question the sincerity of that whole user experience part. But I totally understand from a business perspective why they're doing what they're doing. Oh, and absolutely. It when, is their platform. When, when you've got some near billion users, they, they say it's over a billion, but that's a billion accounts, which is yeah, different from, from a billion uh, actual from people, people, humans. Yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, when you've got that much traffic to your site, then you have to do something to manage, yeah. manage it unless you start making everyone pay. Exactly. So, so I'm going to stop being bitter now, uh, <laughs> even though I make incredible content that only gets seen by a few of you. So you should actually go and visit the Tech Stuff Facebook page sometime and just see some of the stuff that you're not seeing because Facebook won't show it to you. Yeah, you, you can. You can. There's a little drop down menu where you can check off how much of our content you want to see. You want to see will, all of it. That you will want help. all of the content. Just I mean, just if you want to. I mean, just no big. Either no, way. no, no big. My bonus depends on it. Um, <laughs> no, it's a joke. That's a joke. Well, it's it's not entirely a joke. It's but, mostly um, a joke. Let's talk about some honorable mentions. Let's do that. Yeah. All right. So so Facebook was our number one, but there are some companies that were listed because this was a top twenty five in the article. Uh-huh. And like I said, you should go and check that out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but here's some companies that you have heard of that also made that top twenty five list. Uh, yeah. The, uh, so, some things that perhaps you would have expected to have heard on our top ten that didn't yeah. quite make it. Um, Adobe, a number twenty down from sixteen last year. Yep. Apple was number nineteen, which was a bit of a drop, right? Way down from seven last year. Yeah, so uh, Google was number five. Apple was number 19. I'm just saying I'm an Android user. All right, so uh, LinkedIn was number 15. Way down again from uh, number three last year. And Intel was number 11. Which is up from 18 last year. So uh, actually, that's interesting because some of these companies play into, uh, you know, we did we do this every year where we make the predictions of what the next 12 months are going to be like in the world of tech. And then at the end of the year, we have to grade ourselves. So our next episode is actually going to be the roundup of what our predictions were for 2013. And some of these companies factor into that. Who'd have yep. thunk it? Crazy. Well, guys, if you have any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future, whether it's a company, a technology, just a concept that kind of fits in with tech that you've always wanted to know more about, let us know. Send us a message. You can write us. Our email address is techstuffatdiscovery.com or drop us a line on the many social media platforms that we dominate on that allow us our organic reach. That would be Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr. Our handle is techstuffhsw. Lauren will continue to giggle, and I will talk to you uh, less snarkily really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 